to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Welcome back to the Springs in the Desert podcast. I am Jillian, your host, and today I am joined once again by just a good friend of ours at Springs in the Desert. We have Edward Luresman. How are you today, Edward? I'm doing great, Jillian. It's good to be with you again. Yes, we really just appreciate your perspective on so many areas of infertility and loss. And today we are going to talk about grief, which is something that all of us in this community experience. But I think there's a lot of hesitancy around grief or questions about grief. We hear a lot of, from a lot of um, women and couples in our community that they feel like they can't grieve infertility or that they don't know what that looks like, or even they might be experiencing grief, but they don't know what to call it. That They don't quite know what is it that I'm experiencing or why am I feeling this way? So I think that this conversation is really going to just open up yeah, some good understanding of what grief is. So Edward, from your perspective as a, a mental health professional, could you talk a little bit about some of the losses that are experienced within infertility? Of course, there's clearly the loss of not being able to conceive, but what does that kind of look like? And what are maybe some losses that happen after that or that are around that? Yeah, I'm so happy we can talk about this because I think we really need to own that we need to own that and own that there's a grief, the emotional response to that loss. So anyways, yes, I'm glad that we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different losses involved with it, right? Like you said, there's a real void that comes from not being able to grow your family the way that you hoped or expected to. So there is that kind of the emptiness that's left there. Even if you're able to conceive or adopt later, there's still that that absence of children that could have been there. So, but along with that, think about it. There's the loss of being able to take on the identity as Mm. mother or father, Mm. to take on that new life state of parenthood. Like it's a completely life changing experience, right? And expect that change to happen. And then when Mm. it doesn't, then you have to grieve that. And it's very disconcerting. Mm. So there's that, there's the the sense of community, the sense of belonging. Hey, my friends are having kids, my family, my brother has kids, or all the young adults or adults in the parish seem to be having kids and I don't feel like I belong. So that sense of I am moving alongside these people or they're moving alongside me, we can lose that sense of having that. The loss of supportive relationships. I feel like my relationships that I trusted before and now it feels like maybe they don't understand or they don't get it. They're not accompanying me. They're not asking me how I'm doing. Those kind of things. And then a big thing that I've been thinking about is like the loss of innocence, Mm. like how simple Mm. things used to be. And two, now I don't trust that things are going to be easy anymore. And I see that time and time again with clients and personally too. I don't trust that it's going to be easy. Anything's going to be easy anymore. So yeah. Wow. You just named so many things that I have experienced that Yeah, I didn't necessarily even relate to infertility. That's just really profound. And I think I I really appreciate that idea. We can own and really put into words that infertility is something to be grieved. It is something that can be really challenging to process and for, for years to come, even after, yeah, just various life experiences. Those things I'm sure can come up again and again. And that's maybe the next question I'd like to ask you, like what, what are like the stages of grief? And it, is it, I've heard that it's not something that's linear, that it can like ebb and flow or it can come back up again. So yeah, what might that look like for someone? 
And something that you just said too, Julian, that really struck me was like how this impacts us going into the future. And my wife and I have talked about that recently about how this changes your old life path forever. You know, yes, yeah. that, like, oh, if we do become parents, we're going to be older than what we expected we we're going to be and stuff like yeah. that. So there are different like, stages yes. of like, how this loss impacts you now and then how it impacts you in the future. Even if, hey, we, we can't add children to the mix, it's just not the same anymore. We're changed and our life path has changed. But yeah, specifically with the stages of grief, you're right. It's, I think there's a misunderstanding, a common misconception that, hey, there's these five stages of grief. You just have to linearly move through them. I experience denial. And then next up is anger. And then, then I feel depressed. That's actually a really common misconception. Okay. The stages of grief were developed to kind of understand what is it like to go through the dying process. And okay. that was, they were observations of some different stages that the theorists noticed. But it's not a prescription. It's not a, hey, you have to, your grief has to look like this. Sure, yeah. And you're right, but in particular, right, it's not linear. We don't just have this one and done loss and then boom, we are angry about it and then we're sad about it and then we are bargaining and then we reach acceptance. No, it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah, yep. Like in particular for infertility, it's up and down, it's we have hope about the next cycle, then all the hopes get built up where this treatment's going to work and then it doesn't and then we're devastated and we're despairing again and then, then our hope builds up again, but maybe we're more cautious and then we get let down again. It's just topsy-turvy. So if anything, I'm like, maybe you like are cycling through a whole bunch of those emotions and maybe other ones. Mm. I think it's just helpful to look at the stages of grief as maybe, does this help you think about what you're experiencing does this maybe put some words to what you're experiencing but again like it's okay if some of it's relatable and some of it's not okay maybe maybe some of it isn't maybe you're like yeah i experienced something different or maybe i experienced cycles or that is a really helpful perspective to have because i think especially because there are like so many great universities to go to and you have to teach tangible markers for people to be able to test on and things like I I feel like when I was taught these things or when people spoke about them it was like these are the five stages of grief this is what it's going to look like and so look out for that like these are helpful things to look out for but that was it there wasn't like so when yeah when I was experiencing maybe other feelings I thought oh this isn't grief this is something else. Like I I try to assign it to something else when in fact maybe it is part of the grieving and I like what you said about does it help you put words to what you're feeling? And if not, maybe just forget it. Maybe just put it to the side and realize that your grieving process looks a little different because it likely does look different than the next person. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. Well, okay. So for someone in this community or someone experiencing infertility or loss has now accepted that this is given themselves permission to grieve, that this is really is something to grieve. And now they are realizing maybe some of their feelings or maybe even behaviors can be attributed to that grief. What are like, how can we begin to process that? Or what do we do with those feelings now? If we are experiencing maybe one of these more typical stages of grief, like bargaining or anger or whatever, or maybe it's a different feeling or a different response. What do we do now with it? What are some kind of maybe general practical tips you could give us? Well, I think self-awareness is really important. I think that's the first step, right? We, we have to recognize what it is that we're feeling. So we really need to dig into that and say, yeah, what emotions or what reactions am I aware of? Is there anything else that I'm experiencing that maybe I haven't noticed before? I think you just got to become aware of this is a real loss. Again, let's validate that it's a real loss. Yes. And then how is that truly impacting me? 
Mm. So dig in a little bit more into your emotional life, your experience. Sometimes hearing other people's, like reading other people's can be like, oh, wow, that puts words to what I was experiencing. I didn't know. So however you need to do that, like I think reading into a lot of resources can be helpful. So just recognize that. Here's what I'm feeling. And then we need to really like feel those things. Like I think it'd be helpful just to enter into that emotional space to say, no, I really do feel down. I feel depressed. I feel devastated. And it's okay for me to feel that way. I'm not going to suppress that. I'm not going to suppress that part of my emotional reaction. I can tell you right now as a therapist that suppression, emotional suppression is not a good way, <laughs> right. not, not a recommended way of coping with these things. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Just like it perpetuates it. it. It makes us, then we get caught in shame. Why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't feel this way. And then it bottles up. The emotions are like asking to come out and we're pushing them down. If if you really are feeling those emotions come up, find a safe way. And you can work with a therapist to figure out how to do that. If you're like feeling overwhelmed and you're like, I don't know how to deal with those emotions if I let them out. Yeah. Get help with that. You can get support with that's okay. But really working towards actually like going there and letting yourself feel those things. It's incredibly healing to do that. It's freeing. Yeah. Again, it goes part and parcel with owning it as loss. But yeah, yeah, really going into those difficult places where it's cathartic, we're letting it out, then navigate adjusting to this reality, right? Mm -hmm. Pain. Now we need to figure out how to navigate this reality with loss. Yeah. Something you, you just said about when we suppress those feelings, now we can spin into other things like the containers pouring into other areas of your life. And I, I'm sure I know I can relate to that when I, whether I don't feel like I can speak about it or if I didn't give myself permission to really feel those feelings that perhaps I am. Yeah. I let it pour into my relationship with my husband or work or even my understanding of myself or prayer, or I could see that really just overflowing into other areas. Yeah, I really appreciate this perspective. Even Anne and Kimberly, the founding mothers of Springs in the Desert, they had mentioned that, I think specifically Anne mentioned that it wasn't until she really started hearing other stories and founded Springs that she realized that infertility is something that can and often should be grieved that, and uh, giving yourself space to do that. And mm-hmm. yeah, and some might be with uh, a mental health professional as around them that can really help them. What are maybe some other common ways if, um, would you suggest maybe journaling or probably um, talking about it with your spouse or what are some other ways that might look? Yeah. Yeah, it could be any relationship. You know, sure. I think yep. Ideally, your spouse would be one of those people that you can open up to. But it can be complicated sometimes if some of the emotions come around, like some disconnects with your spouse. Do you really care about this? Are you like, actually hit by this? That's a common one that I experienced, which is just we're in different places or sure. one spouse is more expressive than the other. Yeah, so yeah. Ideally, makes sense. spouse would be another person to talk with, but... Obviously, if it's if they're implicated and it's complicated, it's okay if you're talking with someone else. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's probably true for many couples. They're just at different places. Yeah, sure. But yeah, like you you mentioned journaling. That's another really good one. Prayer, expressive Mm -hmm. prayer, like actually pouring out your heart to God. Like it's a conversation, telling him how you're feeling, even if it's in relation to him too. It's okay. You can talk to him about that. But there's a lot of creative ways you can go about that too. There's a lot. I'm not as creative, but some people are channeling that through music or mm-hmm. art. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Different 
body-based like movements, like some people are more into dance or things like that. There's so many creative ways you can go about that. So the limits are endless. You're not limited by my lack of creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some of the ones that pop into my head. Whatever resonates with you. That really, you're like, wow, that's my way of channeling my emotions. That's my way of expressing and processing my emotions. Do it. Those are really helpful suggestions. And yeah, I'm sure there are creative ways to process that and allow yourself to experience it while also moving towards this, yeah, a more heal, healing understanding and, and position. So yeah, that is so great. Thank you so much for just this, yeah, really beautiful advice. These other reflections are meant to be shorter and really practical and helpful for our listeners. So another, yeah, way of practicality is, Edward, can you just share with us where you're licensed? And if someone would like to get in touch with you, yeah, where do you serve? Yeah. So I'm located in central Ohio and my license is through the state of Ohio. So anybody who is within Ohio, 100%, that's an option via telehealth or meeting me in person in the Columbus area. Okay. If people are outside the state, I'm happy to hear from you and talk with you. And if you're looking, need help looking for a therapist, I'm happy to help. But as of right now, it's tricky. I can't really work with people outside of Ohio. Hopefully we yeah. change that. With yes. That's <laughs> coming down the pipeline until something changes. That's Yeah. Listeners, Edward is just a, a good dear friend of Springs in the Desert that if you are looking, if you're near, I, I'm sure he's got many connections and definitely resources in other states that he could direct you to, or at least other resources that might point you in the right direction. So feel free to reach out. His contact information where you can find him will be in the show notes today. Edward, thank you so much for being with us today. And yeah, listeners, I just, I want to repeat once again that infertility is definitely something to be grieved. And we just hope to be that friend walking with you on that path. And we hope that this episode can bring uh, a little bit of uh, brevity to what you're experiencing. So I will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. We would be so grateful if you took a minute to rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Don't forget to check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and community prayer list, read our blog, and register for virtual and in-person events. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we.